It is not holy and it is not spiritual to walk around depressed because of the problems of the world. Amen. That's actually unbelief. You cannot and I cannot handle the problems of the world. You cannot do anything about them other than take them to the Lord. Do your part what he tells you to do. Be a doer of the word. Brother Hagin said something interesting one time. You know, he learned on the on the bed of sickness uh, when he was just afflicted. He, he learned that you just can't get anywhere with God if you're going to worry and fret and let things overcome you. And uh, so he said, my mom and my grandma and me were all world champion warriors. And laying on bed all day, he had nothing else to do. But he had to repent to the Lord. He said, no, I'm not going to worry anymore. The longest day I live, I promise you I'll never worry. I'll never fret. I'll never be anxious about anything. Now, that's a big statement. How many know that's a huge, huge statement to make to the Lord or to anybody to say, I'll never the longest day I live. But he said it, and he's the kind of individual, just he meant what he said. And so he, he would teach now, 67 years later, he, he would say this, he said, I've passed up some marvelous opportunities to worry. How many here have ever passed up some great opportunities to get upset, to get worrisome? But he followed that to such he followed that to such a degree that one time his he was uh, they had driven in late from somewhere and his wife was trying to get him to worry about some things. You know what I mean? Husbands, your wife ever tried to just feed you some things to try and get you to take them problems or wives, your husband ever try and feed you some problems trying to get you to help help worry about them? Nobody's ever had a, a parent or a sibling or anybody try to help you. You need to help me worry about this. But his wife was trying to feed him some stuff and he wasn't taking the bait. You know, he just didn't say nothing. And they had gotten home late. The kids were asleep. So they each have a kid in their arms. And his wife looked at him as he's trying to unlock the door and said, I don't believe that you'd worry if me and both kids just fell dead here instantly. You know, when you're tired, sometimes you just say, say it. Then. And he turned around and said, well, of course not. What use would it be to start worrying then? (laughs) That made her madder than ever. (laughs) If you're worried, if you're full of anxiety, if you're full of fear, we're not saying this to condemn you, but you're not in faith. Faith rejoices. Faith gives thanks. Faith is glad. Amen. Uh, The doubt, the doubter is the one that's full of worry. And so we need to let the word push that worry and push that anxiety out of us. And we live in peace. Amen. If the whole world around us is, is uh, having a bowel movement around us, we're going to just stay. You know what I mean? Just, just everything is fl- going, getting flushed. You know what I mean? I mean, if everything's just because the, the psalmist said, though the mountains be removed. Amen. God's my refuge and my strength. He's a very, he said, I won't fear though the earth be removed. Though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea. That's quite an earthquake when the mountains start sliding right down. Hallelujah. We want to help you today some. Have you turned to a scripture that we had been looking at for some time. Galatians chapter 3. How many love Galatians? We're going to continue to minister on the subject of faith. Would you say that you love faith? Oh, not as much as you need to. You know, faith is one of the subjects you absolutely cannot preach about enough. 
do never worry that your pastor's getting, uh, you know, he's just getting too overboard on faith. You can't do it. You cannot do it. It sure is exciting to serve God, isn't it? I tell you, the more you serve him, the more you see that this is not for the for the weak hearted. This this life of faith, man. You might never thought of yourself as Indiana Jones, but <laughs> I like what one preacher said. He, he said, I tell you, when you got the spirit of faith, it's like swinging on a corn stalk out over hell and spitting in the devil's eye. You know what I mean? I mean, you just how many know that's an adventure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so you might have been a real passive person like me a real meek and mild person I know you don't think of me maybe that way because I can get a little bit uh, nuts sometimes but but that's what I was just passive whatever will be will be well I guess you know and I had to change I had to uh, if I saw if I was going to operate in faith that something in, I had to have some fight in me. I had to have something in me that just wouldn't lay down and take everything that came my way and just say, okay, I guess I'm just a victim. No, you can't do that. You can't do that if you want to win the fight of faith. There's a reason it's called the fight. But it's a good fight because you're assured the victory. You're assured the outcome if you'll follow the program. I want to read the scripture. In verse 22 is where we start. It says this, the scripture declares. You understand that we ought to find out what the word says about it. Amen. Right. Amen. Yeah. The scripture declares. Verse 22, that the whole world's a prisoner of sin. So that what was promised being given through what? Faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Right. The word believe, the word faith, same thing. Verse 23 says, before this faith came, do you understand that it wasn't always the era of walking by faith? Amen. Faith was always right, but the Old Testament saints were not equipped as we are to do it. Amen. They weren't equipped like us. So they were kept locked up. Uh, let me just read the verse here. We were held prisoners by the law. Locked up. Everybody say locked up. Locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we're no longer under the supervision of the law. Faith has come. The day where we walk by faith, not by sight, has come. Said a lot that we won't even bother to review because maybe you've taken some notes, but uh, you're thankful for what you do know about faith. When the word says faith is come or when you hear the pastor talking about faith or when you read a scripture on faith or when you're talking about using your faith, it is so important that that not be some vague sort of concept to you. Understand that it is to most Christians they when you say faith, they think Oh, yeah, you just, yeah, we're just taking a leap of blind faith. And they're talking about doing something with no foundation under them. But nothing could be further from the truth. When, when, you, when you're walking out in faith, you have a very sure foundation under you called the Word of God. Amen. And so we, we need to have understanding about faith. Amen. We've learned this, that we could say it this way. 
instead of saying faith has come, we could say walking by what God has said instead of what we see and feel. That's come. For we've looked at the scripture extensively that says we walk by faith, not by what? Sight. Is that still true after all these weeks? Are you and I really supposed to order your life uh, uh, often discounting what you see, often discounting what you feel, and instead walk by what he said? That's a big, big concept. Again, in, uh, we looked at, this, at the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians around that 18th verse where it says, We look not at the things which are seen. When it says we look not, that means we don't focus our, fac- our, our senses on the things which are seen. We don't focus our mind on that which is seen. Now, when you have a problem, that's seen. And what, is you, what do you want to do? You want to look at that problem. You want to focus all your attention on that problem. But do you know if you focus all your senses on that problem, you're going to have to dig yourself out of that hole you just got into? Huh? You sit there with your mind and go through that problem and go through it and go through it and go through it and you get it in you. You get it lodged in you. Now you're going to have to dig it out to get the word in you. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Why? The things that you and I see physically are temporal, temporary. God said so. The things that are not seen are eternal. Well, what what is this not seen stuff we're supposed to look at? Well, we, we told you about it. We'll tell you about it some more. There's see, there's two kinds of knowledge that you and I can receive. We can receive facts from this sense realm, right? What you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you smell, facts. Or we can receive truth from God. Those are two different kinds of knowledge. And when the facts and the truth don't agree, what are you and I supposed to do? We're, the Bible instructs us that when the facts and the truth don't agree, we are supposed to discount the facts and instead believe the truth. Yeah. And it's, we're supposed to understand this, that the truth can and will change the facts because the facts are temporary. The truth is eternal. So this practice that we have here of living, uh, choosing truth over facts This is something we're supposed to live by. The word says we live by faith. We walk by faith. So this isn't something we do once or twice during our life. But this is a lifestyle, isn't it? Hmm? This is a lifestyle. And if you and I are following God, there are things that you're going to always need to be what we would call in faith about. The person that's not believing for anything is not doing anything. Do you get that? The person that's not believing, for the person that's not using their faith for anything is not doing anything where, where spiritual things are concerned. It scares me sometimes. I mean, I know there's other folk that maybe have more skills communicating than I do, different things like that. But it scares me to look out and see people that... that Look like they've never heard anything like this. 
before in their lives. Are you, do you believe what we're preaching? Huh? This is the Word of God. I dare you, I dare anybody to come tell me that this isn't true. I dare you. You cannot prove it by the Scripture. I can prove this by the Word. I've given you Scripture after Word, after Word, after Word. How do you not get convinced? Praise the Lord. So on a daily basis, daily, like, that, like every day, we're going, to be, we're going to be acknowledging that certain things that appear to be truthful are only facts, that they're subject to change. And daily, you're going to be given a higher place to truth, right? That's what a Christian is here is on earth to do. That's what we do here on earth. Do most Christians do this? Absolutely not. Certainly not. Most Christians, you know it. There may be even some sitting here just judging by the look on some folk. You know what I mean? Most Christians who heard what I've just preached would think that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yet it is a main theme, if not the main theme of the New Testament. If this is the craziest thing you ever heard, you just got through telling me you've never heard the New Testament preached. Hmm? This is not just some obscure scripture that we pulled out and made it a doctrine of. You know, maybe we should try that because it sells books. I mean, the prayer of Jabez, one scripture that really isn't applied to the New Testament at all. I mean, it's gone around the world, five different, 50 different copies in all kinds of different languages. And everybody loves the prayer that's unscriptural. I'm, I'm not joking. I'm serious as can be. The teaching of that, that prayer is not a New Testament prayer. It's in the Word. There's value in it. There's truth in it. But for everybody to swallow that, get all thrilled about that, and then call you a cult because you preach what the Word actually says. Come on now. Faith's the key to having victory over circumstances instead of the circumstances having victory over you. I don't want circumstances dominating my life. I don't want any circumstance telling me how far I can go, telling me what I can do, telling me what I can be. No, 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 no. We found out about this, and now we don't just sit back and say, well, say la vie. What can you do? You never know. You got to roll with the punches. You got to punch back. Don't roll with the punches. So you and I, are, going to, are we going to believe the circumstances or are we going to believe what God says? Well, in order to believe what God says, you have to know what God says. I don't mean you have to know about what God says. I mean you have to know it in the biblical sense. Hmm? And in order to know it, you have to, you have to hear it. Now we're reviewing. You don't hear it the same way you hear the news reporter or the sportscaster. Huh? Because it's not just words and thoughts entering the mind through the ears. But when we hear the, the Word of God, we want the truth to, yes, go through those senses, through the eyes and ears of the Spirit, but then in through the eyes and the ears, I'm sorry, through the eyes and the ears of our head, but then into the eyes and ears of our heart where it brands itself down onto our spirit and we believe it and know it. And the church, you see, I don't think we have done a good enough job emphasizing just what it means to hear. I was reading a story uh, 
this is one of my favorite little books by Brother Hagen called God's Medicine. Let me read one statement to you, and then I'll tell you the story I was going to tell you. And he talks about finding out what belongs to you. He said this, what are the provisions that God's made for us? What are our rights? What actually belongs to us when it comes to healing and health? And that's what this book's about. How can we ascertain exactly what was secured to us? He said this, there's only one way. By a constant, careful, diligent, reverent, prayerful study of God's word. He says some other things, and he, then he went on to say, I had to come down to the brink of the grave before I do what I'm urging you to do. Come to God's word in a constant, careful, diligent, reverent, prayerful manner and find out what God's word has to say on this subject. Now, you understand, don't you, that when you're watching this, this listen to the sportscaster, you're not listening that way. That's what we mean by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. That constant, careful, diligent, reverent, prayerful. <laughs> Everything else out to get His Word in. You see why most Christians don't have any victory. They don't ever hear like this. The reason, you know, people like to criticize as we've said, and say, well, you shouldn't be preaching that. It's obviously not true. Look at everybody. Well, it's the same reason every Christian isn't victorious. It's the same reason that everybody's not in the Olympics. Why isn't everybody getting ready for downhill? How many know those people that train... <laughs> They are diligent about it. They're constant with it. They're careful. They may not be prayerful, but they're, they are, I mean, they're living, walking, eating, breathing this stuff. And just because I went to an event doesn't make me an Olympic athlete. I've been to football games. I've been in the box with the football players' wives. I live next to a player. For a couple of years, we were close to each other. And I still am no closer to being a pro football player than I was before. <laughs> all of that contact, all of the stuff that I attended, all of the tickets that I used that he gave me. And they're still looking like they do, and I'm still looking like I do. No, I don't know why it's not working. Do you? Why isn't it working for me? Pastor, why isn't the word working? Don't you know that the word works? He is upholding right now all things by the word of his power. I want you to know if the word ever stopped working, you'd know it. Because the little axis that the world is spinning on, if he ever stopped upholding by his word, we'd boom, bounce off. You'd know it if the word ever stopped working. The word has never stopped working. It'll work on any planet of our galaxy. So in that little book, God's Medicine, Brother Hagen tells a story about his daughter. His daughter was school age, you know, maybe uh, kindergarten, first grade, something like that. And she, Brother Hagen's out on the road preaching. 
she develops this big knot on the side, uh, you know, little, I guess a little growth up on the side of her eye. And they didn't have a school nurse that was there all the time, but the school nurse would come around once a month and check the kids out. And if there was any problem, then you would be in trouble. And the nurse would always say, well, you've been to the doctor about that. And so Brother Hagen's wife, he, she wrote him and she said, Pat, his daughter, wants to know what to tell the nurse when the nurse comes, uh, like a week from now. So he got this letter. And what are you supposed to do? Huh? You know what he did? He, he said, uh, I just decided that I wasn't going to answer that letter for a couple days. And there's a great lesson because there's some things you shouldn't pray about right away. You need to hear. You need to hear from God, right? So he, he said after his meeting that night, he preached, had a good meeting. He said, I came home, got back to the hotel room a little before 10 o'clock. He said, I listened to the news on the radio from about 10 to 10, 15. Then I shut the radio off and said, I'm just going to go through the Bible and read all the scriptures pertaining to healing. He said, I could have quoted every one of them. He said, but just slowly, I went through and just read every one. And then he turned out the light and he said to himself, he said, I'm just going to lay here and meditate on those scriptures for about an hour. Now, this, this might throw you off your rocker, but you just got to understand that, see, he was already developed in spiritual things to a great degree. And then still later on developed more. But, but he said, and then I'm going to sleep for an hour. And then I'm going to wake up and meditate on these scriptures for an hour and just do that on through morning, hour on, hour off. And you might say, well, how do you wake up and just do that? He trained. He said he never used an alarm clock a day. You know, he said, I just tell my spirit when to wake up and I wake up. Well, we've lived like that. We've I've done that. Amen. If we need to wake up, we just say, well, wake up at such and such a time. You can train your spirit. Your spirit's not sleeping. And so I know that might sound wacky, whatever. There's nothing wrong with an alarm clock if you need an alarm clock. So he, would, he just did that all through the night. So I woke up refreshed. He said, my spirit didn't need sleep. It's just my body. And he said, the next night I went through exactly the same procedure. Came home, listened to the news, 15 minutes. See, now most Christians listen to the news all night and meditate on the word 15 minutes. <laughs> I, see, I have stuff to throw back at you if you throw stuff at me. Did the exact same thing that second night. The next day, he sat down and wrote a letter to his wife and, and said, in the letter you wrote me the other day, you said Pat wanted to know what to tell the doctor. And he said, you tell Pat that daddy said he knows she's healed and that he knows it as well as he knows his name or as well as he knows what two plus two is equals. Got a letter back from his wife a couple of day, uh, a week or so later saying that, well, that thing disappeared before the doctor ever came. Yep. That's right. he, he said, I never did answer her what to tell the doctor. Do you see why it worked for him? But the person that just flippantly says, oh, you're healed. Without taking time to, to feed and meditate. What was he doing? He was getting that word branded into him to where by the time he ever went to pray for it, he couldn't doubt if he tried to doubt. 
And that faith, that real faith, not what most faith Christians call faith, but the real thing, moved that little mountain. Faith comes, or we could say faith is obtained by this kind of hearing. Amen. Once you've opened yourself up to God, you've gotten the natural mind out of the way. You've gotten your thoughts out of the way and you hear and you receive and you understand and you get it so worked in there and it's impressed upon your spirit. Faith has come. It's come. Didn't our scripture say that now that faith has come? Well, see, faith has come in the sense that it's been made available, but has faith come in you? Well, so, so now we know, don't we? And, and we're happy that, hey, all I need to do is to hear from God in this way to get faith. And that's right. But can I take you one step further before we're dismissed today? And let you know this, that if you stop there, if you, oh man, if you meditate on the scriptures all day, every day, until faith is so strong in you. But if you stop right there at that point and you don't go on to this next step, you're gonna, your life's going to stay locked up. There's something that must happen besides you and I obtaining the faith. We have to use our faith. Oh, now this is just as important. How did Brother Hagen use his faith that day? He put, he put it in the letter. We'd like to read to you out of the book of James, the second chapter, and a, a passage that'll be familiar to many of you, but, but that's okay. We, we always read it like we've never heard it before, and, and that way we let it impress itself upon us. James chapter 2, you got your Bibles with you? If you don't have a Bible, I will buy you one. Come tell me you need one. I'll get you one. James chapter 2, verse 14 says this, What good is it, my brothers... If a man claims to have faith, but has no deeds or works, can such faith save him? Understand when the New Testament uses the word save, it's basically talking, we could put it in real plain language, it's talking about getting results. <laughs> Will that faith work for him? Will that faith save him? Will that faith get the job done? What was it asking? If a man, if a person says, I have faith, but has no deeds, works, or we could use this word actions. Will that faith produce results for him? Will that faith save him? And I think you know the answer is no, but listen to this illustration. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? Was it is it any good if somebody's really hungry and, they, and they're, you're there with them and you have a, a kitchen full of food and they're starved? And you say, well, I want you to know I'm believing with you. That food will come your way. Goodbye. Did that, did, did, uh, did, was there any results there? No. Everybody go, no, no results. So it says in the same way, faith by itself. You see that? Faith by itself, 
if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, well, you, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So I know this, this you, you might now, after you've seen what it takes to get faith, you might be a little bummed that there's more to just, than just getting it. You might say, well, thank God, finally, I really believe. Well, good, so do the devils. You're in good company. Verse 20 says, you foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? And it goes on to talk about Abraham. Amen. But just look down at the 26th verse. It says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds or works or actions is dead. When something's dead, how much good is it? Is it? Hmm? If it's dead, it's good for nothing. And if you are full of faith, but don't know how to use your faith, it's not good for anything. Amen. Faith comes by hearing. But faith doesn't operate by hearing. Oh, thank you, Father. I'm looking for a jumping off spot here. Faith comes by hearing, but it doesn't operate by hearing. I want to I wanna share with you how to work your faith. How to put it into action. Because that's only then that you'll have results. We didn't want to skip over how to get the faith. <laughs> because, amen, it's not just a casual listen. When real faith is present in somebody, I'll tell you what, something comes on you. And instead of running from the devil, you go looking for him. And you, I mean, you have to watch your tongue because if you're really full of faith, You'll say things that other folk will not understand. Amen. And I've had times I've fed on, I've fed on faith for, for healing, fed on faith for prosperity in all different areas. And you get so full, you just, you just say, I'll tell you what, if nobody else in the world gets healed, I will. If nobody else in the world has their needs met, I will. Well, that, see, that just sounds arrogant. That sounds all kinds of ego and all kinds of stuff. But amen, if, you get, if you're full of the word in those areas, if you're full of faith in those areas, amen. you'll believe that. Yes. You'll say that. Yes. And you, you, nev- you never, never, never will you be afraid of the enemy and what he can do. I remember this lady. She's still alive. Her husband went to be home with the Lord. Her name is uh, Jerry Horton. And uh, she when she was probably in her 20s or 30s, she got breast cancer just so bad. You know, and a lot of times when you are younger, things can move and progress faster and, and it could be, uh, what's that, more aggressive? Yeah. And, uh, but she just did what we're talking about. She beat it. And I remember being in one of their meetings. This has been years and years and years ago. And uh, she, her husband, Doc Horton, was one of our RAIM instructors. He was a trip. And uh, but he was preaching, but she came up afterwards to minister to the sick. 
and somebody came up just, you could, they were full of cancer because you, you knew it because they said so, but you could also just see the effects of, of all the treatments and everything like that. And if you, if you could just see her eyes when she said, well, what's wrong with you? And they said, well, I'm full of cancer. And you should have seen what came over her. Now, now you think somebody that had dealt with it before, you know, the enemy will always try to put on you what he's put on you past before because you know what it's like. You've been through it and, and, and just the fear that it might come on you again. You know, Brother Hagin said for years, the fear that I might become paralyzed again would come would be just following me around for years after he was healed, you know. Uh, and little little sister Jerry, she just looked at, she just said, huh, said, I'm not afraid of cancer. She wasn't saying it just to just to come across bold. You could see it in her eyes. Amen. Instead of saying, oh, I went through that and it's just a it's just a matter of good fortune that I'm here today. No, it was, I, I whipped it and I'll show, we'll get that same power in you. We'll beat the fire out of that stuff. That's right. That's right. Praise God. How many are thankful for faith? It's, it is the victory that overcomes the world. It will unlock your life. It'll take you to that place. It'll take you where you've never been before. It'll take you where you can't go. It'll help you do what you can't do. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Well, I can plainly see that we're not done stirring this pot. And so I'm just going to keep stirring about it and I'm going to come back and we're going to stir you up again next time. Amen. If you don't like it, you can stay away. But, you, but, but I'm, I promise you, I'll get, next time I see you, We're going to stir some more. Amen. 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 Well, stand up today, everybody.